for the first time, someone beat NES Tetris instead of Tetris beating you. Plus, a new VR plugin makes thousands of games run in virtual reality. Tonight is January 7th, 2024, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. It's a new year. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2024. Breakman says, let the hogwash begin. Oh, it never stopped, said Pod Culture, and that is correct. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Uh, the first 2024 edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape the show live just about each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly. There's going to be a couple Sundays over the next couple months that we're not going to be here uh, for various reasons. One of them I'm going to talk about in just a second. In other words, next weekend. Uh, and I was just off last weekend because the holidays uh, stuff uh, is happening. But yeah, so we're here. But I do understand this is a podcast. We can't always be here uh, live. So uh, you can join us on our Discord server. Vognetwork.com slash Discord is where we are throughout the night uh, or throughout the week. And you can interact with us then and also uh, hear about what I'm going to be doing uh, and live updates from uh, where I'm going to be next week. Uh, So uh, I do want to say also um, happy uh, copyright expiration day. Uh, things that have been around for 95 years enter the public domain on January 1st, and I am already sick and tired of Steamboat Willie. Very sick and tired of Steamboat Willie. I was sick and tired of Steamboat Willie, but it, it took a bit. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon on January 1st. I was sick and tired of everything being Steamboat Willie. Uh, and I have the Lego set. I actually have a hidden. It's it's. Everybody's like, there's a hidden Mickey on the set, which I call the set. It's my desk that I have next to me. Um, and uh, but I have the Steamboat Willie uh, Lego set that I had built. The most frustrating set I have ever built in my life. Um, and it's because uh, because the way it's built, it, there's so many moving parts to it. Uh, in the sense of rubber bands. I hate dealing with rubber bands in Legos, and I, I don't know if I can actually show this, um, but if I if you move it, like the smokestacks go up and down. It's, it's, it's interesting what they try to do with it, but everything moves when you move, and getting all the rubber bands in that, it was just, I did not enjoy it at all. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I have the Steamboat Willie uh, Lego set that I've, built a couple years ago now at this point it's i don't even remember when i built it um but uh seeing all of the uh mickey mouse things that have come out now um disney's lawyers are ready uh because it's really interesting that um 
that a lot of people assume a lot more is available to them than is not available. And it's because you can thank Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's estate for this because Sherlock Holmes has been slowly entering the public domain over the past couple years. And so people are thinking, oh, I can make my own Sherlock Holmes story. And that's not exactly the case because what goes into public domain is only what was written at that time. And um, if you follow the Sherlock Holmes story, I think like now or very soon, all of Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes will be in the public domain. I, but it's not there yet. And in fact, Netflix had to settle with the estate when they made Enola Holmes, uh, which had Millie Bobby Brown as Enola Holmes. Uh, they had to settle with the estate because they argued and a judge was about to agree that Sherlock Holmes having emotions was something introduced in the later books by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and had not yet entered the public domain. So the facets of the Sherlock Holmes character that were introduced after the the current public domain couldn't be used and Netflix actually did settle with the estate. They didn't uh they they didn't win. They they settled. They were like, "Okay, fine. You know, we'll pay you the licensing fee." In terms of Mickey Mouse, only the depiction of Mickey Mouse that is in Steamboat Willie has entered the public domain. So, uh, Mickey has no voice. He whistles, but he has no voice. Uh, And uh, he does not wear red pants. So you can't have the red pants. Uh, Doesn't have the eyes that that were introduced in Fantasia. Um, So Fantasia doesn't enter the public domain for a bit. I think uh, it's got like, I think it's 2035 is when Fantasia will enter the public domain because it was made in 1940. It's 95 years. Um, and uh, there was a comment made somewhere. They were like, well, you know, Disney also was tired of Steamboat Willie because they let it enter the public domain. Uh, Disney didn't have a choice. Uh, this is just how the law works. Disney has uh, lobbied Congress to extend it because Mickey uh, Steamboat Willie was originally supposed to go into the public domain in 1988. And they stopped that. And I think there was one other time it was about to go into public domain. And unfortunately, Disney's political capital for various reasons, not very high right now. Uh, so they probably realized it was not going to be a winning battle. It's going to be interesting to see Disney's lawyers start picking apart things. They're going to see things in other people's depictions of Mickey Mouse that are not from Steamboat Willie, that are from later things, and they will go after you, and they will bankrupt you. So be very cautious if you are going to make something based off of Steamboat Willie. A lot of people have raced, raced to, there's already the horror movie coming out, uh, where where Mickey is the serial killer and, you know, kind of like Blood and Honey from Winnie the Pooh. Um, I know there's people making games already based on it. Uh, and just be very cautious about what you do and don't use and don't assume. Uh, I have actually seen content creators argue with IP lawyers about what is or isn't public domain. I'm like, they're the lawyer. They kind of know these things. Yeah, and Questbuster even says, it looks like your Mickey is based off of a version that is still protected. Our lawyers will be in contact. Um, and uh, and Tiger Claw says, because of the name, Disney owns the trademark. What They can use that version, but can't call it Mickey Mouse. So this is the interesting part. You can call it Mickey Mouse because it, if you actually watch Steamboat Willie, it says a Mickey Mouse cartoon. It names the character as Mickey Mouse. So that is actually accurate. You can't do a lot of other stuff with it, but you can call the character Mickey Mouse because that is in the public domain. Um, 
Disney did try to do some stuff to uh, kind of bring it back to them. Uh, if you notice any of the Disney Animation Studios, um, like if you watch any TV show or movie that's from their studios, it shows Steamboat Willie with the with the you know whistling and turning the 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 wheel, uh, and that was kind of an attempt to keep that in trademark. It's not exactly going to work. Um, and they also did a uh, a short called Steamboat Silly, which was basically about all the Steamboat Willies coming out of the. Um, out of the film canister and the current Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Donald are trying to reel them back in and stuff. Uh, so they've kind of used the trademark a little bit, but they can't stop the depiction of the original 1928 short. Um, uh, but they are doing some things to make it a little bit harder for uh, someone to really fully take advantage of it because they've got so many pitfalls and so many gotchas. So just be cautious. Tackleaw points out next year Popeye is going to start going in the public domain. Now realize, once again, it's going to be the original depiction of Popeye, not the Popeye we got later, not the Robin Williams Popeye, uh, not any of that. And Robert, Robert says the Popeye game from Nintendo will also not be public domain yet. So, yeah, it's, it's 95 years is how much you have to wait. Uh, now, there was a comment that was made on social media, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, is that Disney... It, it, it kind of sucks for Disney in this sense, which, you know, yes, it's, it's a billion dollar company. It really sucks for them. But it's kind of interesting that now the copyright lapses, if they had let the copyright for Steamboat Willie lapse in like 1988, we didn't have the tools to use it in the way that we do now. And we didn't have the Internet as it is today to share all of that stuff. So it would have been not as big of a deal had Mickey Mouse entered the public domain in 1988. And then we would have just grown up. OK, yeah, whatever. Um, but now that they waited until now, when everybody has the tools to now use Steamboat Willie in whatever they want uh, and share it on the Internet, and we have such depraved minds that we can share with others. We had depraved minds in the 80s. There just wasn't a way to share it all that well. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting that they waited until now, whereas if they had just let it lapse in 1988, it really wouldn't have been a big deal. And uh, as Sharon Matt says, no memes in the 80s. Oh, there were totally memes. We just didn't have a way to share it. That's enough about Steamboat Willie. I'm tired of Steamboat Willie. Let's move on. We're going to talk about where I'm going to be next week. So I'm not going to be here on the show next Sunday night uh, because I'm going to be freezing in Pittsburgh. Uh, there's going to be snow on the ground. I'm from Atlanta. I don't know. What, I freak out when there's snow on the ground. Apparently in Pittsburgh, they're like, yeah, there's snow on the ground, whatever. Uh, it's no big deal. And I'm going to be like, what do you mean? Like, don't you have your milk sandwiches? Didn't you get your bread and milk? Like, we're going to be snowed in forever. And it, that's not the way it's going to be in you know, SJ Winner Matt knows exactly what I'm talking about because, you know, snow. He knows a little bit about snow and ice. Um, but I'm going to be at Awesome Games Done Quick, and I am going to be hosting uh, three games now. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me like list all these games and all these times. And, and if you heard me on the first time that I mentioned, I'm like, hey, I know my schedule. I know what I'm going to be doing. Uh, all of that is wrong. The entire thing is wrong. I... Uh, have uh, my schedule changed just this week again. So uh, Awesome Games Done Quick is going to be uh, benefiting the Prevent Cancer Foundation uh, starting next Sunday, so less than a week from now. Uh, and uh, I am going to be hosting about four hours. So I'm going to be on the air for about four hours, but at the end of the week. Uh, so on Thursday, January 18th, I am going to be starting at about 11 o'clock Eastern. 
uh, with Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. So I'm going to be hosting that. That is the Jet Set Radio uh, sequel that we really wanted, but it's not made by Sega. So, uh, so Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, I'm going to be, uh, Storied is running it. It's going to be any percent. Uh, and that's all I'm doing on Thursday night. So one, one hour time slot and that's it. Saturday, the final day of the marathon, I got moved. And it's because one of those games, uh, the, one of the games in there moved and I moved with it. So, uh, on Saturday, January 20th, instead of being in the morning, I'm now actually going to be like primetime afternoon on Saturday afternoon. So starting at about 2.50 p.m., probably closer to 3, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be hosting uh, Lies of P by Blanks, uh, doing an any percent run of Lies of P. Uh, I've never played it, uh, and I was not the original host for this. So uh, I was going to be doing some Mario games in the morning, and so but things swapped around. So now I am going to be hosting Lies of P. And then at about 5 o'clock Eastern, which is after that and after another segment that they're doing that has variable time. So pretty much 5 o'clock Eastern, Lost Judgment by Froob, doing the Cato Files DLC, any percent. Uh, and that's going to be going on for about an hour. So uh, leading into like 6.30 p.m., then like there's like three games after me. Like I think right after me is Tears of the Kingdom. And then uh, the bonus game is Baldur's Gate 3, not Sex Percent. Get your mind out of the gutter. And then Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster is the finale. Uh, those are the three games that are on after me. So I am basically right in the afternoon. Uh, so I was, because Lost Judgment was originally Saturday morning, uh, because of some other games having an availability of runners and things getting swapped around, uh, they moved Lost Judgment to the afternoon and moved me with it instead of having somebody else work with Froob. So... Uh, I am the uh, second to last host, uh, third to last host um, for the whole event. And uh, I'm going to be, we're going to probably be pushing for, we're definitely pushing for that Baldur's Gate 3 incentive at that point. Lost Judgment has a couple of bonus incentives that we're going to be trying, including, uh, if you remember the last time I hosted Lost Judgment, they had the boss rush and it wasn't met. Uh, We didn't get to do the boss rush. Uh, Apparently that incentive is up again. So we will actually do the boss rush possibly at AGDQ this time around. Um, so uh, we're going, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So Thursday night, January 18th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, uh, that might change around. And then Saturday, January 20th, starting at a little bit, around 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. Uh, I'll be starting with Lies of P, uh, then Lost Judgment will be a little bit after that at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, what they're doing, uh, they've got every day, if you look on the schedule, you'll see a thing called the checkpoint. And that's basically like a what they're doing because the, the marathon used to get like really delayed and everything. So now they've built in like an hour buffer every single afternoon. So if they're behind schedule, that what they can put in there, like if they only have 20 minutes, then they'll fill 20 minutes worth of content into it. If there's an hour, they can probably fill an hour or maybe put in a short game have an extra game just put in there. Uh, so, But that way they can kind of get everything level set and have everything come back on time. Or if they're super behind, it's a free hour that they get back. We're like, oh, we're, we're going to skip the checkpoint and we're going to go right into the next game. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Questbuster says the Liza P run is going to be wild. I cannot wait. I'm going to actually now have to look up Liza P. I mean, I know what Liza P is, but like, it's not something that I, w- I would play. Uh, but I'm going to be looking up things 
uh, about Liza P so I can get uh, get a little schooled on it because I only have a week now to prepare um, and talk to the runner and all that stuff. So I will not be here that Sunday night. The following Sunday night on January 21st, I should be back. Uh, flights willing. I am flying back that early that afternoon. If the flight comes in on time, I will be home with, you know, four hours to spare to start the show. I will dump, dump stuff from my camera and, uh, you know, so we can so we can see what it looks like there uh, and uh, and stuff. So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. I am going to be I am excited. Uh, I'm excited to hang out with people for a week, play some board games, uh, see some panels, see Pittsburgh. I've never been to Pittsburgh. And as Sharon Matt says, I thought about stopping by Pittsburgh to visit AGDQ on my way to MAGFest, but that was a six-hour detour, so not really in the cards. And also, like, you had to, like, gotten your AGDQ ticket a while ago, like, and they don't have day passes. You only buy for the whole week. Uh, they didn't hit their attendance cap, though, but they've closed registration at this point. Um, so, uh, but it would be kind of cool. You know, you can come in the lobby and see people, but they wouldn't let you in on the inside. And they are um, instituting... Uh, some COVID protocols, not as much. Uh, there's a lot of worry out there because, you know, we're in a surge right now um, and and stuff. So um, there are some areas of AGDQ that require masking and 95 masks, uh, not the stream room. So you're probably not going to see that many people masked unless they choose to mask on camera. Uh, but uh, like the arcade requires masks uh, if you go into the arcade. And so there's going to be some masking and, you know, the GDQ crowd People that go to GDQ are generally wanting to mask more. They are more. Uh, they, they they still mask a lot, uh, so you know it should be fine. Um, I've I've seen the people saying that AGDQ is going to kill so many people, and uh, nobody died from the last two SGDQs that were also during COVID surges. So, um, so we're uh, everything. It, things are going to be fine. We're, we're people are taking it seriously, and it's going to be fine. Uh, Questbuster says, from the impressions I've seen, Liza P is one of the better Souls-likes out there. Really, really well done. See, it's a Souls-like, so automatically for me, it's it's not much. Um, and uh, S.J. Matt says, MAGFest has no restrictions this year. I'm still going to mask on my end, even if everyone doesn't. And yeah, that's that that's cool. Um, you know, uh, no event nowadays really has restrictions. Um, there are, unfortunately, you know, legal battles at that point. And, you know... Uh, the the other thing about it, the other thing about it, and I, I don't want to kind of belabor this too much, is that you need event insurance to put on an event. And I haven't heard this from anybody that does gaming events, but I have heard this from people who do other types of events. And what event insurance does is protect you in the act of something happening. Okay? Unfortunately, the a lot of the insurance companies have decided that the risk of getting sued over a mask mandate is a higher risk than somebody at your event getting COVID. It is a higher financial risk. It is actually more likely that you would get sued over a mask mandate than you would if somebody got COVID. So event insurance companies are actually refusing to insure events that have a mask mandate. It's crappy. Um, I, I could also say it's... But I don't want to say that on the show. But that is why you're probably seeing a lot of these conventions not have mask mandates anymore is because they couldn't get event insurance. And you have to have event insurance if you're running a big event. So don't blame the organizers 
for like if your favorite convention no longer has a mask mandate, no longer has a vaccine mandate, no longer has any of that. It's probably because they couldn't get event insurance if they did, because unfortunately, the threat of a lawsuit from people who are anti-mask, anti-vax, that is a higher risk than people showing up and coming home with COVID. It's hogwash. That that's one of the things I've heard uh, from other event organizers outside of the gaming space. I'm not saying that's Magfest's reason, or if that that applies to Magfest, I'm not saying that applies to GDQ. I'm not saying that applies to your favorite anime con or video game con that's going on in your area. Uh, I'm just saying that is something that is happening, and it's happened. Mo- it's I've heard it more than once from different types of in- events. So. Don't rush to blame the organizers. All right. Let's talk about uh, some of the news. This is also kind of a little bit about uh, about speedrunning a little bit. And uh, let's talk about Tetris. And Polygon reports that a 13-year-old streamer named Blue Scooty became the first ever human to beat the classic game of Tetris on the NES. Blue Scooty broke three world records in total including the monumental accomplishment during a semifinal match for the 2023 Tetris, Classic Tetris World Championship. On Tuesday, he posted the full video. Uh, it might be funny to think that a 34-year-old game had never been beat before, but that's precisely the case. Since Tetris, or Classic Tetris, released on the NES, it was genuinely considered unbeatable. Players would, pl- would play for as long as they could until reaching the 29th level, at which point pieces would fall so past it seemed impossible to keep up. Only an AI had ever beat it until Blue Scooty came on the scene. Blue Scooty's winning strategy was a culmination of the technique that younger players have been developing in the recent years. These newer strategies like hyper-tapping and later rolling emerged in 2016 and 2020, respectively, allowing players to operate the NES controller even faster than the buttons by tapping the underside of the controller. By 2022, most players that played in the World Championships used some form of these strategies. In the 38-minute video, you can see Scooty grow more tense as he approaches the great, even greater levels. Even at, right after making a great save, he gets to the game's frozen screen, signaling victory, and ecstatically says, oh my god, while yanking off his glasses. He says, quote, my glasses feel tingly, I can't feel my hands, unquote. Uh, in a post-game interview with streamer uh, It's Sharky, Blue Scooty describes the nerves of playing for 30 minutes, that saying that he was still managing to hit the five taps, and says, quote, you miss one five tap, and the run can end. Unquote. So you're like, what's what's going on? So in Tetris, normally the game beats you. It's very Russian. And here it is. There's the. There was the moment right there that I've got the video playing here. So normally the game beats you. It gets to the top and you you can't play anymore. Um, So. Uh, what he this means by he beat the game is he crashed the game. He made the game quit. And the reason this happens is because nobody, the developers never thought they would get past level 256. So they didn't code for that. And what then happens is that you get a buffer overrun uh, and like it starts reading from RAM. Now, there are only a couple of ways to trigger a crash at that point, and somebody went through with uh, with a TAS uh, to, and, and it, this thing says only AI has ever been, and no, it was a TAS. Somebody made a tool-assisted speedrun to be able to do this, to actually beat it this way. And uh, they, uh, you have to do a very specific thing on very specific levels to get the game to crash. 
And that is what Blue Scooty knew. And he actually missed the first crash. He, he, because you had to like, and, and it's stuff like when you are on this level, your last piece that you drop needs to be a say, like clear one single line. And he missed it. He did, he did three. And so he had to keep playing. And then he was able to trigger the second crash point. Um, and there's actually a really interesting video that I had read that actually went through this and even showed like the Google sheet, uh, that had all the stuff, uh, but that's why they said that he's the first person to, quote unquote, beat Tetris, because he's the first human to be able to cause the game to quit. He caused the game to crash and no other human had caused the game to crash, even though we know exactly how to make the game crash. First, you have to get to that such high level and then you have to put down a piece at a very specific time uh, to clear very specific lines. So it tries to read memory that crashes the game. So now there's, you know, now that we know this is possible, more people are going to try that. And then also now, like, what are people going to go for? Well, maybe now they're going to go for how far can I get before I crash the game? Uh, or how quick can I crash the game? How quick can I get to the first crash probability? Uh, and, and stuff. So this is a huge accomplishment. And since it's Tetris, and a lot of people know Tetris, it's gotten a lot of news coverage. And Tyclaw even mentions it made the news. Yeah, no, everything's cover everybody's covered it. And it's kind of interesting. There's one that's going around, and I actually haven't watched this clip of this news anchor because I'm like, I don't need to see this clip. Where the news anchor, she actually says he needs to go outside. He's, you know, what a loser. He needs to go outside. Nothing, you know, there, there's nothing redeeming about this. And, you know, general... The general video game, you know, anti-video game, oh, you know, you, you'll never make money playing video games. I'm like, well, A, now you can. But that same reporter, which was, I guess was on Sky News, because S.J. Matt says folks are more upset, uh, folks were more upset about the Sky News than happy about the story, just saying. Um, so uh, that Sky News reporter actually congratulated the world dart champion like three days earlier. But, but that person was in a bar throwing darts and that's different apparently. So yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, congratulations to blue scooty. Um, and congratulate. And what's interesting also is that, you know, there's, there was that, but the other thing that I want to talk about is how the Tetris community actually got together on this. Um, all the other Tetris players that were participating in this community or in, in this tournament, all tuned into his stream when he was doing this and they were actually simulcasting because they were all performing and stuff and they all celebrated with him, even though you're supposed to be competing against each other, you know, it's a competitive game and competitive scene. They were all there supporting him and they were all thrilled. The Tetris community was thrilled that this had actually happened. And that's one of the things that I like about some of these communities like this, uh, more so than like, you know, unfortunately the fighting game community or, or something like that, where there's a lot of egos and they don't celebrate the successes of others. Uh, they trash talk a lot. Uh, the Tetris community seems to have really coalesced around this and really in real time, they coalesced around it and they all celebrated together. And so, um, yeah, there, there was a lot of awesome things being done uh, for this. Uh, Mike, Mike Depp even says the Tetris community did a lot of awesome things for the kid. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Tiger Law says, NES Tetris is kind of slow when you compare the more hardcore versions that are super fast. Did you not see the same clip I did? Uh, because it's it's super fast once you get to level 29. Like, yes, it never gets faster, 
But if you're playing normally on level 29, there is actually not enough time for a piece to get to the left side or the right side of the screen. There's literally not enough time. That's how fast it is. So, um, so it gets very fast. It starts slow, but you can start on a higher level. I think you could start on level 10 and then it's a little bit faster. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but NES Tetris wasn't supposed to be beat Tetris effect. Yes. It has a quote unquote ending. Like there's an endless mode, but it, there is an ending to Tetris effect. So, uh, congrats to Tetris history being made. So, uh, the other piece of news that I wanted to, to mention was, uh, this was shared on our discord server. Uh, and it's about VR. And one of the things that I'm not a fan of in VR, and I, I do a lot of VR stuff, is I'm not a fan of trying to change games that were designed for a monitor and just try to get them to work in VR and call that call that uh, the end of the day. I like experiences that are designed with VR in mind. However, I am in the min- minority of that. There are a lot of people that are like, I won't get VR until I can play The Legend of Zelda in VR. And then you get somebody who made Legend of Zelda, the first, the NES game, in VR. And to me, it's crap, but they're like, but this is amazing. Well, now, a lot of games can now be played in VR. And it's because of a tech, uh, it's because of an injector. So WCCF Tech reports that 2024 started off in the best possible way for PC gamers who are into virtual reality, thanks to the public beta release of the long-awaited UEVR mod project. This is an injector tool created by uh, Preydog, the same modder behind the RE framework, which also brought VR functionality to all RE engine games. So UEVR is, uh, there's an estimated 11,000 Unreal Engine-powered games uh, on Steam alone, and more in, available on other platforms like HIO. The framework works on a universal level, adding full six degrees of freedom, head tracking, automatic handling of in-game user interfaces, three different rendering message uh, methods, such as native stereo, synchronized sequential, and alternating AFR, optional room scale movement, optional depth buffer, buffer integration, and a plugin system that allows modders to introduce even more features, either via C++ programming or Unreal Engine 4's Blueprint. Um, of course, while the games should at least run correctly in VR, that doesn't mean they all work well. The tool supports Unreal Engine 4.8 to Unreal Engine 5.3. Uh, there's a spreadsheet of games that uh, have been tested by the Flat 2 VR community. Uh, the uh, UEVR also allows the community to set up optimized profiles for specific games, uh, such as for Returnal, RoboQuest, Treepang 2, Aliens, Fireteam Elite, Forgive Me Father 2, RoboCop, Rogue City, Warhammer 40,000, Bolt Gun, uh, 40k, uh, rip out, soul slinger, envoy of death, ill will, and atomic heart. So how does this work? Uh, after downloading the UEVR mod from GitHub, you'll have to launch your game, switch over to UEVR, pick the game from the list of running processes, select between OpenVR and OpenXR. OpenVR is for Steam VR. OpenXR is for uh, Meta Oculus Quest type sets. Press inject and go back into the game. And then there's going to be a hell of a lot more tweaks that you're going to have to do from there. Uh, so with a large modding product in, uh, project still in beta, there are bound to be issues. Luckily, the Flat 2 VR Discord community is very helpful on that front. Still, UEVR is a major leap forward for PC VR gamers as it enables a massive amount of titles to be enjoyed in virtual reality. Uh, ZenMonkey11 says this could ruin the impressions of VR to the uninformed. They'll say they tried Zelda in VR and VR just sucks and is a gimmick instead of playing a real game made for VR. 
I completely agree. However, this might get people to buy VR headsets to increase the community. So maybe a AAA game will, at that point, a AAA studio might say, hey, there are enough headsets. Let's make a game for VR. Because I actually have, uh, and there was a tool back in like about, you know, eight years ago now called Vorpex, V-O-R-P-X. I think it's even still around. Uh, And it did this with just about any 3D game. And it basically injected VR into any 3D game. And so that is how people originally played Skyrim in VR before Bethesda actually released Skyrim VR. And it it was nice to go through and I'm like, oh, I can see my stuff. Like, I can see the landscape and stuff, but I wouldn't ever want to play it in VR because it's taking the elements from uh, from the screen and just trying to put them in reality. Now, what this is doing that's different from Vorpex is this is actually running in Unreal Engine, where Vorpex actually ran at the video driver level, and it intercepted the video driver, the video calls to your GPU and re-rendered them. So it worked in any engine, and this is specific to Unreal Engine. So it's a hook like that. So it has a little bit more flexibility than Vorpex did. This is something to get people into VR and may, may actually sell some headsets, which will increase the user base, which will allow people to play games that were actually designed for VR. Now, from what I've understood is that from some people that have tried it, that this works a lot better in games that are third person. It, it's a it's a better experience in third person than it is in first person games, but it works for both of them. And Questbuster says people might experience something like Zelda in VR, realize it's not the best experience, but we encourage to seek out games made specifically for VR. And I think that's where this is good. Um, so this is a free tool. It is on GitHub. You look up UEVR, Unreal Engine Virtual Reality. Uh, and you're, there's a lot of tweaks. It's not very user-friendly, um, but uh, they've, they've got some things like you can turn on, like in a first-person game, you can have snap turning uh, if you're not, uh, if you don't have your VR legs uh, and, you know, kind of make it so you don't get as sick. But, um, but, but yeah, so you, you have this now as an option. Uh, and... So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I haven't played with it yet, but I probably will because, like I said, it's free. Vorpex I paid for, uh, and it really wasn't all that. Uh, Now, one thing I do want to mention that's not like this, though. Um, The Breakman says, I don't want to play Tetris in VR. All those falling blocks towards you sounds kind of scary. Here's the thing. Tetris Effect is in VR, and it's amazing. But... why it's amazing is not because of what VR adds. Why Tetris Effect is amazing in VR is because of what it takes away. Because all you're seeing is the regular Tetris thing. Like, things aren't coming towards you. You have the 3D background of whatever, you know, environment you're in, whatever uh, environment they put. You have, and you have to be wearing headphones for this to really work. And then you've got the sound. But other than that, it's just Tetris. So what it takes away, if you play Tetris Effect or Tetris Effect Connected, which is what it is now, uh, in VR, is it takes away the ambiance of your room. It's like if you're playing a game on the TV, yeah, you're looking at the TV. But yes, in your peripheral vision, you see the TV stand. You see the wall behind it. You might, and you know, if you're hearing through your speakers, you're hearing 
the the hum of your air conditioner or your heater or you know somebody else walking around your house. You play Tetris Effect in VR, all that goes away, and all you have is Tetris. That's it. And you've got the soundtrack, and you've got the sounds, and all the sounds are tied to the beat, because Tetris Effect, at least, is a very musical game. Uh, and I actually play Tetris Effect better in VR than I do on a screen, even though I'm using the exact same controller and I'm playing the exact same game. I'm actually better in VR than I am playing it on TV. And Breakman says a game like Tetris needs your full attention, and that's what VR gets you. So don't be scared of Tetris, but you don't need this for it. Uh, it is in VR. It's on play, It's in PlayStation VR, both on PS4 and PS5. And if you have the PC version, you have VR, you have VR uh, in Tetris Effect Connected, even though it was made in Unreal Engine. You have it. Uh, so, but this is for games that don't have VR. Give it a shot. And it, so if you have, give Tetris Effect a shot if you have VR. If you have PC VR, you might want to give this a shot. Uh, it is a little more tech heavy right now. It's not very user friendly right now, but there is a huge community that's able to support you for it, support you with it. Uh, Questor says, wow, in that clip, seeing Harvestella in VR is so strange. It's interesting, though. That You're going to find that a lot. Like most of these games, it's going to be strange. And I'm going to guess that for most of them, you're not going to want to continue playing the game in VR. You're going to want to look around. Like if it's like, especially like Skyrim, like it's neat to kind of look around Skyrim. But it's actually not that easy to play Skyrim. You can, especially Skyrim in VR, you can, but it's not that easy to play it. Um, Minecraft is actually the same way, and there, there's there been VR modes in and out of Minecraft uh, for many years, and I think you can play it in VR now natively. Um, I know there was a mod in, in, on, in the Java version of Minecraft, and it was neat to go walk around the places I built on a monitor and walk around and look at them in VR. That was neat. But I didn't, wouldn't want to actually try to build something in VR. I wouldn't want to actually try to actually play the game in VR. And it's just because it wasn't designed for VR. There, there's, there's things you do in VR that you don't do when you're playing on a screen. And there's subtle design things that you wouldn't think of unless you're a game designer that's ever have to do it. Um, it's not just, hey, it's a first-person game, so I'm just going to put the first person in VR and put the HUD elements in a visor thing and, and that's done. No, you, you, that's not. there's more to it than that. And people who have turned, like, Legend of Zelda into VR, uh, they didn't do any of that. And it was a poor experience. They were like, no, we're going to put, you know, we're going to take all the textures, we're going to make them 3D of the NES version, make them still look like 8-bit, and we're going to drop you in in a first person, and we're going to, like, and then you go. And, you know, you don't think about, well, how do you message to the user that there's an Octorok behind you that's about to hit you in the back? Because you're playing it on a screen, you can see that. You can see behind you because it's up to top down. You don't have that in VR. So you've got to figure out how do you message that to the player. Zemmick11 says, yeah, mining feels so slow in Minecraft VR. might be good to be in there with friends. And, you know, the social element is really there for, for that. And, you know, th there's a lot of social things that can be done. And think anything's better usually with friends. And that's why VR chat is also so popular. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. But also people don't develop their VR worlds in VR, in VR chat. Uh, they're using, I believe it's Unity. It, it, they have a Unity, it's all Unity stuff uh, using the Unity game engine, but they're building it on a monitor. 
and then they you know go into to the VR to actually look at, but they're not act- actively building it in VR. As Sherry Matt said, yeah, those early Samsung Gear VR iterations had mobile Minecraft working on that, and it wasn't really an intuitive experience. It was more like looking really close at a TV more than VR. That's more because of the Gear VR. I have both of the Gear VRs out of frame up here. Uh, and that was more the mobile VR was what that was. So uh, we're going to take a very quick music break, first music break of 2024, uh, and then we'll uh, come back and talk about uh, other things going on in the gaming industry. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Hey, it's your friendly neighborhood Mexican, Act Death, and you're participating in the Bobby Blackwell Show. Whether he's right or wrong, his opinion is always something worth listening to. Except for the music breaks. Those sometimes suck. 2024 starts, and the hogwash starts right in the beginning from Mike Deft. Granted, that's a very, very old bumper, but it's it, it's basically saying that, that my music breaks are crap. We had a great music break. People like the instrumentation in the music break. Uh, if you want to leave a bumper, uh, contact me on Discord. I need an MP3 uh, audio file of just your voice or a video of just your uh, you speaking. I will choose what DMCA violation I want to put behind it. Um, and uh, say that we're coming back to the Bobby Blackwell show, uh, and maybe we can get some new bumpers in 2024. I think my most recent bumpers from like 2019, so that's why you hear a lot of the same ones over and over again. It's because people don't make bumpers, and that's fine. I've got I've got a good library of things. So one of the things I wanted to mention before we go over to Rob uh, also is uh, I did post on the on the Tiki Tax. Uh, but I did want to post. Uh, there's going to be a little bit more on 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 the end of this. Is that uh, I finally got my arcade back in t- in the sense of everything in my arcade works. I actually had to have somebody come over and fix one of my pinball machines, and it was a really good error. Like they were or not an error, but like the, the she came over and she was like, "This is a good problem," and she was like on the phone with with Stern Pinball because it was my Mandalorian. And like trying to figure out like what was going on, and she wound up having to like solder a couple wires because there was some shorted wires, and she needed to get new pins, uh, like actual like pins for the the connector, not pinball pins, um, and she couldn't get them, so she had to do like some soldering and stuff, and she was like, no, this this was a this was an interesting one. She actually really enjoyed working on it, so I finally got my Mandalorian back. I was having some weird flipper issues, uh, and then um. Uh, the there was an issue with the virtual pinball table uh, that happened like right after the uh, Monster Arcades left. So he came back and like replaced a fuse and everything's good now. So um, so I actually got my uh, my entire uh, arcade back and I did post on TikTok. Uh, go to, go over to Bobby Blackwolf. I actually post posted the uh, the the video and it actually shows I've got all my machines that work on. Uh, including like I've got the toppers on uh, the uh, on the Mandalorian, which I bought a while ago. So it's a little holographic topper. Um, and uh, and one of the other things that uh, if you if you look very, very looked very closely and you knew to look, uh, unfortunately, I had to take down the poster that was banning Rob Roberts from the arcade. Um, so. Uh, Pop culture asks, is it fully back, a.k.a. you beat Rob's score? I, I beat Rob's score on Rush a while ago, and, and I even showed him 
uh, I did it all here on the show, uh, showed him my pictures. So, yes, I have beat Rob's score on my pinball machine. Um, but uh, what I did learn that I haven't posted on TikTok that you're about to see here on the stream is that when a lot of people are in here playing, uh, you can't move. There, there's not enough room for a whole bunch of people to play different games. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's the downside of having, like, just one small room uh, with all that stuff in it. Uh, you don't actually... Uh, have 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 the room for people to get from one part to the other, so uh, so yeah. And Dark Soccer says, "Welcome to my life." Yes, uh, but I don't have anywhere else to put them. Like we're not we're not moving them to other parts of the house. Like that's it. So the room is full. If I want to get anything else, I got to get rid of something. So if I want Weird Al, Mandalorian is probably going to go away at some point. And now that Mandalorian fully works, it's actually worth something now. But it was good to have uh, have my arcade back. So coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. And we like to check in with them uh, and see what's going on there. Uh, Mike Def says build a bigger, better, bigger basement. We don't. That takes permits and all that stuff. I don't, I don't need to be doing that. Uh, Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. And I want to set the record straight on something, first of all. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Black Wolf overrode that band some time ago, yeah, and well, she's the real boss of the arcade. Right. So uh-huh. I'm just uh-huh. I want to make that clear. You, you can think you can keep thinking that y'all, y'all can all keep thinking that I now I did not beat your Tron score yet. I have oh, not beaten okay. the Tron score, but uh, because oh, I'm not that's... that good at Tron. Well, um, since I got my own machine, I've actually gotten better. I've been like actually like looking at tips and like how to yeah. how to get better scores. So, uh, but I don't I don't want to have to play against myself because the Tron are, the Tron machines are connected. Yes, those are online. So if I were to set a high score on your machine, I might literally beat my high score here. That's right. So that's I, right. I, I, that's, that's a risk I can't take. Ha ha! Because right now you are fighting against yourself because it's your score <laughs> that's on my account. <laughs> that's the thing about some of these is like you can't. Like on Arcade One Up, I can't put it in like a mode where it's like, no, I'm I'm in party mode, where it oh, doesn't like save guest or something. Yeah, yeah, like a guest mode, and it's technically because you're not supposed to use Arcade One Ups in a you know in a public setting, like but you like know. but like what you did, come on, like yeah. a house party yeah. that is absolutely that a legitimate is, use yes. of it. Yeah, but they're they don't want people to set up Arcade One Ups in a bar, and because people do that. Which, I was going to say, I think we have a mall here locally that has those machines set up in like a kid's play area. It's very yeah. interesting, but I, I'm not, not my legal business. <laughs> but I will say that also um, is uh, what, what I will also say is that I did on the pinball, the virtual pinball machine that I have, I did get pinball effects and pinball M working on it. Oh yeah. That looks really cool. I want to uh, check that out for sure. Yeah. I've, I've I've played a little bit of Pinball Am, the mm-hmm. free table that they give out, and like the demo of the Dead by Daylight table. It's uh, yeah, it's th- those yeah, those games are always fun. The Pinball FX games are well done. I don't have them fully integrated yet. There's like some more tweaks I have to do, but the problem, mm. the fun part of that is I have to then have the machine connected to Wi-Fi, mm. which means you get Windows updates. Nope. And sometimes Windows updates bork the virtual pinball stuff. Oh, and so I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll, I, you know, I know I'm a sysad, man. I can block Windows updates. No, Microsoft's like, no, no, no. We know, for the for the techie people in the crowd, we know you're trying to use the host file to block the Windows update servers. No, no, no. We ignore the host file for that. So I have a Windows update that I, it came right before New Year's, and I'm like, oh, I can defer for 30 days. 
but February 1st, I'm going to have to run that update. And like the guy that sold me it, he's like, don't run Windows updates on it because it could break everything. Oh, no. And so I've got like, yeah. So hopefully it won't be too bad because other people have theirs on the Internet. And, you know, it's usually like once or, you know, like it'll mess with one thing and then they'll come out with an update and fix it or something. So I hope it's not so bad. But, yeah, in order to have Pinball FX and Pinball M, I need my Steam account. And it needs to run on the Steam, you know, check with the Steam servers and check with Zen servers and stuff. Uh, but once I got it working, I, I got it working pretty well and was actually playing some games on it and everything. So, Well, I can't wait to get my cooties all over it uh, this Labor Day. Well, and that's the thing also is that because I don't have a keyboard installed, if you get a high score, like the local, it, it puts my name on there in the oh, local high score. Funny. And obviously, also, it's connected to Zen. So Zen, those games also don't have a party mode. So any high score somebody sets there gets set as your high score. And you get the XP and all the in-game stuff going on there. So in other words, Rob Roberts, you only get to play the analog table from the 70s where I can do whatever I want with yes. it. And you're just going to yep. suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. The, the analog table from the 70s that I haven't even opened to try to refurbish yet. <laughs> Um, that's, that's the one I can pretend to play. <laughs> so, so happy new year. Yeah. Happy uh, new year. Yeah. Uh, we, we made it another trip around the sun. Uh, are you as tired of steamboat Willie as I am? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I think maybe Disney didn't have a lot to worry about because the internet is running that thing into the ground so fast that it is. But it, I, I think it will be interesting to see what type of legal things come out of it, because even like some of the horror movie remakes that I've been seeing around, um, they seem a little close. And so I'm I'm very curious to see how litigious Disney's lawyers end up being. Um, I, I, I would not be trying to incorporate Steamboat Willie in anything I'm doing, that's for sure. I mm-hmm. think the, about the only thing you could probably get away with is putting the short on your YouTube channel. That's probably, and maybe using a frame in the background as like a, a painting or a, a sound clip, but even then, like... Yeah. Zen Monkey 11 get, has says... Get, some, get, get an indie artist to feature. Yeah, and Zen Monkey 11 asks, how long is Steamboat Willie? It's about like six minutes long, seven minutes long. It's, it's pretty short. It was yeah. it was one of the shorts that played before the main feature at a theater. Like that's what they mm-hmm. were. So, but uh, people did upload them to YouTube and immediately got copyright stricken by Disney, and they had to go through because the YouTube algorithm hadn't been updated on at midnight on July first. Well, and I've heard something about the copyright rules in other countries still favor yes. Disney, and yeah. so YouTube is still you know, a worldwide platform. So there's nothing to stop them from copyright striking it in like Chile or one of those countries that has different um, rules on that. So that's another reason why I would just, it's, it's not worth it. Like it's, it's one of those like, LOL, it's funny for a minute. And then like, we all just need to get on with our lives and come up with some original ideas because I thought we all hated remakes. Why are we all suddenly into Steamboat Willie everywhere and everything? Like, I think it's what people want. It's the it, well. It's the novelty of needling Disney of all right. people, because D- again, Disney has infamously litigious lawyers. Mm-hmm. So I think this whole thing is just about people trying to see how far they can go. They're trying yeah. to toe the line. How far can I go and mm-hmm. needle Disney here with this stuff before the lawyers get yeah. in here and stick us? I I don't want to be the one to find out, but um, bless yeah. those of you that are trying good yeah. luck good, lu- good luck y'all uh so other than that what are you going to be talking about on orange Launch radio tonight 
Well, uh, there's some other things going on in the news, including, ooh, one of Dark Sakura's like favorite, 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 favorite games ever. I'm sure she's going to have some things to say about this mm-hmm. with Castlevania Symphony of the Night, the Saturn version, getting a very important patch that's going to make this accessible to a lot more people. So we'll be talking mm-hmm. about that tonight. That's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, somebody actually asked Miyamoto, you know, the creator of Mario and all that, actually asked Miyamoto, are you going to retire anytime soon? And basically he said, LOL, no. But we'll talk a little bit about that. Speaking of mm-hmm. litigious, one other thing, uh, Sony getting fined over the use of third party controllers and or the, the lockdown rules they have on them. This is very interesting in the wake of some of the things we've heard about with Microsoft mm-hmm. not that long ago. I'm very interested to see how this trend plays out. So yeah. uh, it, it must be a new year. The, the yep. courtroom news has begun. Everybody got their money. Like so that they got the new fiscal year. So they're like, OK, now we can afford to sue. And mm-hmm. so all that's happening. Orange that's Lounge right. Radio is up next. Thankfully, nobody's suing us. Knock on wood. Uh, we don't have any oh, reason. I will for... not be playing anything from Steamboat Willie. No. I just don't. Nope. I don't care. And right. uh, happy affiliate anniversary to us because uh, apparently I think it was like the 4th, January 4th is when Fog Network became affiliate on yeah, Twitch. Yeah, that makes sense because it would have been about 30 days after we yeah. debuted in December. Does that make yep. sense? Yeah. All right. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next, uh, not next week. I will be here in two weeks AP, uh, on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, here at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vlog network. However, you may or may not see something from me on Orange Launch Radio next week. I will be at Awesome Games Done Quick up in Pittsburgh. It starts seven days from today. It starts on Sunday, goes to the following Saturday. I don't have a graphic up for this yet because my schedule literally did just change. Uh, but uh, Thursday night, January 18th at about 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk by Storied, running any percent. I'm going to be hosting that and reading your donations. And then Saturday, January 20th at 2, this says 2.51 p.m. Eastern. Let's just say 3 p.m. Eastern, maybe earlier. 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, Lies of P by Blanks, running any percent. And then at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, that's probably a little bit more set in stone uh, because of some scheduling things they're doing. Lost Judgment by Froob, running the Kato Files DLC, any percent. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be the last... Then there's only three games left in the entire marathon. Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3, if we get the bonus game, they will. Uh, And uh, Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster. All that's going to be happening. And then uh, I'll be flying back uh, next Sunday. Should get home in several hours in time to several hours before doing the show. Just in time to sit here and show video and talk all about AGDQ. So uh, we're going to. So uh, I'm going to be up in Pittsburgh. And so I will not be here next Sunday night. But I will be here in two weeks, and I will be at AGDQ, so GamesDoneQuick.com or Twitch.tv slash GamesDoneQuick for all of that. I am now going to hit the button uh, that uh, plays the show out, except uh, I first need to unmute that before I hit the button. I need to hit the fir- the right buttons. There we go. All right. Uh, have a great week, uh, and I will uh, see you in two weeks, or maybe you'll hear me in uh, about a week and eight days over at or week and I don't know. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.